Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the cat. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Birch Sheet Metal. We'll tell you more about them in just a bit. We're going to be talking football and basketball per usual today, but we're also going to mix in a little bit of baseball, but it's kind of in a in a weird way. But I want to start um, with basketball because it was announced today officially from UK, some additions to the non-conference schedule, and then reported later on in the day who UK will be playing in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, but let's start, Kyle, with what a UK officially announced. Um, I guess like the name, they announced the entire non-conference schedule with the exception of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And the kind of quote-unquote name on there that was not yet revealed was the fact that they'll be playing Georgia Tech December 14th in Rupp Arena. Yeah, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one doesn't really excite me. It's an odd home-and-home home as well. They're going to do a return trip to play Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Not in Georgia Tech's arena, but in the Hawks arena uh, over there by the Mercedes uh, Dome. But, uh, I mean, at least it's an ACC opponent. It's There's a tie in there, obviously, assuming Josh Pastner keeps his job, that he was under John Calipari at Memphis and replaced John Calipari at Memphis, so there's a tie in there. But, uh, you know, it, it is at least a, a power conference school, uh, an ACC school, and so they have two of those on the schedule, non-conference schedule. But a, a little underwhelming, like as good – as good as Kentucky's non-conference schedules have been lately, uh, this one is a little a little lighter to me. For one, they have Ohio State in the in the uh, CBS Sports Classic this year, so that's a little you know nobody gets too excited about the Buckeyes. And they may end up being really good under Holtman, but um, it just doesn't really move the needle like the other options, Carolina or UCLA. Um, they do have the Michigan State game, which is in the Champions Classic, and Michigan State, I think, may end up number one. Are they, I think, in a lot of the early preseason number ones? Um, they're going to have Louisville, which I think will be a, a good team, a very good team. Beyond that, you know, the, the. Well, I'll tell you what, real quick, Kyle. I'll roll through the non conference schedule. Um, there are two exhibition games against Georgetown and Kentucky State, so many people throughout the past couple of years have complained that they haven't been able to keep those exhibition games in state because those generate some funds for those programs. Both This year they are both being um, in-state schools. Then it's to New York to play Michigan State, as you pointed out. They play Eastern Kentucky, another in-state school. Then Evansville with former UK uh player at the helm there and they follow that up with another one mark pope coaches at utah valley then they play mount st mary's lamar uab fairly dickinson which is fun to say uh georgia tech all those were home games that i just listed after michigan state then they go to vegas for utah and ohio state and they wrap up um this year like the calendar year on december 28th uh, against Louisville. So overall, like to your point, there are some really high points. Obviously, Michigan State and Louisville is always a big game. Um, but in the CBS Classic, they're not playing a traditional power. 
and their like quote unquote big conference out of conference opponents, Utah and Georgia Tech really aren't, you know, they're not like headline grabbers. Yeah, and three of those, you know, three of the games against major conference teams, Utah, Ohio State, and Michigan State are on neutral neutral courts. So the two best home games of the season before conference play are uh, Louisville and Georgia Tech. Yep. Leaves a little bit to be desired. I mean, at some point, we probably maybe do this on a different podcast, but at some point you do have to say, like, you kind of owe it to your season ticket holders to do better, I think. Uh, Oh, so you are now agreeing with Kyle Macy in contrast to the end of the last podcast. Well, no, I, I mean, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think you, you owe your, your fans some, some better home games before the, before the new year. Uh, now you're like the, the, the flip side of that is every other year, they are going to have a really good, uh, opponent in the big 12 challenge this year. It's on the road. So that doesn't help. Uh, and we, we might as well just go ahead and mention that it's been reported by John Rothstein and maybe others, uh, that it's, at Texas Tech, which I think is great because they have been playing either can- many years Kansas, Kansas, Texas, or West Virginia so far in the challenge. I think that's it, right? Have they played anybody else in the challenge? Not that I can recall. Uh, I know they played Kansas State, but that was in the tournament. I don't think they played them in the challenge. But Texas Tech is a, is really interesting because they're you know they've risen to power. They just played in the national championship game, um, and so. Uh, that to me is a terrific game, but again, it's on the road. So, you know, your best, you know, four, what four of your best five non-conference games are away or or three of your best four are away from home. Um, you can definitely say four of your best six with, and I don't need to, I don't know if you're wanting to debate Utah versus Georgia tech, that's getting kind of far. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you've got, you've got Michigan state, uh, away from home, Ohio State away from home, Texas Tech away from home, Utah away from home, Georgia Tech, blah, and Louisville at home. So uh, I don't know. I, I I can understand, you know, multiple multiple perspectives on this, but you know, you've got these two games in Las Vegas for some random reason. Uh, well, I mean, we know why the Ohio State game, but the Utah game also out there. As a as an add on, um, I, I I don't I don't like I don't if you don't want to play Indiana that's fine like go like play somebody else though <laughs> you know like in the years to me in the years that you're that you're not getting Carolina or UCLA in the champions uh, or in the uh, CBS Sports Classic in those years like set it up where you're playing you know you only play them every three years in the in the champions or in the CBS Sports Classic, so set it up where you're playing one of those teams home and away every year in the alternate years. Um, you know, I mean, they used to play Carolina as a, as a series, and now they, they've kind of phased that out uh, where they just play them in this, when it comes around in this event. So, um, I don't know, if you don't want to play Indiana, I don't care about that at all. Like I said, that doesn't really do, do much for me. I don't think Indiana's all that, you know... That, exciting play Michigan like you know go add somebody else that's uh kind of blue-blooded um because I think I think if you're throwing one of those at your fans every year uh, there's not much to complain about 
Yeah, I mean, obviously building a schedule is super tough. And I guess, you know, if I'm trying to explain why they're playing in Las Vegas, it's basically to the effect of they wanted that a home game and Utah fit the bill and then they were able to flip that instead of a home and home. They made it neutral in Vegas and that would you know allow Utah fans uh, to get over and do a little mini vacation. Um, so, you know, that's that's, I guess, the same exact kind of way they're doing this Georgia Tech deal, even though obviously Tech is in Atlanta. And so it is basically as close to a home game as you can get, even though it isn't being played in their home arena. I mean, and the bonus side of that, Kyle, is, you know, next season uh, leading up to that game, I can sing um, Welcome to Atlanta where the players play. We ride on in things like every day. Okay. You know that song? Yeah. Jermaine, I do. Jermaine Dupree. I do. He's a famous hip hop artist. Artist? Artist. Um, all right. You like that song? I do. It's a great song. You know what they 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 did a bad they did a remix and they tried to make it all across the country and it it wasn't as good. Didn't know that, Curtis. I'll tweet that out from the show account at Locked On UK. Coming up next, some honors for UK football big dudes and an update on the Landon Young country controversy. Um, but before that, let me tell you guys about Burt Sheet Metal. Been telling you about them for a while now. If you need metal roofing or siding for a residential or agricultural project, go direct to where it's made. That's Birch Sheet Metal. They've got classic rib panels cut to order with a 40-year warranty in 15 colors, plus galvalume and economy grade. And they've got all the trim and accessories to match. You can give them a call at 859-485-1928 or check out BirchSheetMetal.com. That's B-U-R-C-H SheetMetal.com. They've also got bubble insulation, permafelt, sliding door tracks, and aluminum frame rails. Bird Sheet Metal is located in Walton, Kentucky. Give them a call at 859-485-1928 or check out birdsheetmetal.com. Don't pay lumberyard prices for metal. Go direct to where it's made. That's Bird Sheet Metal. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Two Kentucky players are on the Outland Trophy preseason watch list, Kyle. Junior nose guards Quentin Bohanna and senior offensive guard Logan Stenberg were two of the 83 players named to the preseason watch list. Pretty big honor and kind of confirms something that we've been discussing a ton about UK football. It seems like this year their strength is going to be on both lines. Yeah, I mean, to me, if they if they sort of hold the line, if they, so to speak, uh, pun intended, I guess, if they hold steady and are a seven, eight, nine win team. Uh, after everything they lost last year, it'll be largely because of the offensive and defensive lines. I think. No, I completely agree. Um, obviously those, those, both of those guys are just big impactful guys. I was actually, we were recording here on Tuesday night, uh, defensive line coach for UK, Derek LeBlanc was on with Dick Gabriel and I on big blue insider. And he was talking up his line, uh, bunch and it seems like he's really excited mark stoops at sec media days said that he's got seven or eight guys that he feels comfortable rotating in on that d line and you know they run that three four so that's only three positions so that's that's extreme depth at a spot where you know when mark stoops first switched over to the three four a lot of people kind of questioned that that was going to be possible because that's such a tough tough 
type of defense to run, and specifically, you got to find that nose guard or you're in big trouble. And the last two seasons, it seems like Bohanna has really solidified that spot. And I'm like, he could be a breakout dude. He's not, obviously, I think most people know Kyle. Nose guards aren't going to rack up stats. But if he's doing a great job, then the defense around him will be making plays. Yeah, and he, I mean, I think he's actually racked up decent stats for a guy in that position. Um, he's been he's been pretty productive. Um, you know, I, I think you see it more on film than you do on the stat sheet, but I think even the, he shows up even on the stat sheet. I got and, his uh, last season totals were 17 tackles, four tackles for loss, a sack, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Not bad. I mean, like, you know, like we said, from that, from that position where where largely you're occupying space, um, I think he made some plays, uh, and he did as a freshman as well. Um, you know, he had 13 tackles playing sort somewhat sparingly as a, a freshman from that nose tackle position. So uh, you know, I, I think nose guard. I, I think he is. Uh, you know, in the I'm trying to think where I would place him. He's in the top. Five, maybe most important players on the team. Oh yeah, um, you know maybe I'm trying to think if he's even higher than that. I mean, I think you go Terry Wilson, Lynn Bowden, Cash Daniel, uh, Logan Stenberg, probably. I would. Um, I don't like, even know. I might. I, like I like might. Drake Jackson's. Like Drake Jackson's right there. I think he's the critical, critical piece of that offensive line, making everything go at center. So maybe. I might put Drake Jackson four, Quentin Bohanna five, Logan Stenberg six in terms of importance. Because I do think they, as good as Logan Stenberg is, they could plug somebody else in that's pretty good because they've recruited so well on the offensive line and not just fall apart. I don't think they could do that with Drake Jackson, and I definitely don't think they could do that with Quentin Bohanna. No, I don't think they could, but they do have depth at that position, and I'm interested to see if um, one of the big-time recruits, Marquan McCall, I think his nickname is Bully McCall, if I'm remembering. I think that might be his, his Twitter. I think that's his Twitter handle, if I'm remembering correctly. And he, he's, I think he, he might be in line to take a step forward next season and backing up Bohan. And obviously, you want as much depth on that line as possible so you can rotate guys in and out and keep them fresh. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how that line holds up next season. Okay, so more updates on the line. And this is. Um, uh, updates our story from yesterday about Logan Logan Stenberg jokingly calling Landon Young fake country and how Landon's mom um, was tweeting at me because I sent out the the clip and if you need the full update and want to hear us talk about a country Olympics go back and listen to yesterday's podcast but uh, the last time we left it we said that uh, Logan responded and said that it was just a joke. And we have complete resolution, I guess, Kyle, because Mrs. Young said, I know it's a joke. I didn't take it serious. Love my O-line. So all is calm and right in the offensive line world. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad we could bring bring, uh, awareness to the... um, the country bias that was going on and rectify it and get everybody on the peaceful same page. By the way, switching the subject before we move out of this segment, back to our first segment, uh, I was trying to like look this up before we finished up, but I couldn't get it 
I love when you do this. In the in the CBS uh, top twenty five and one, the one that was updated most recently after the Blackshear decision, which kind of was the last piece in college basketball to to fall. Um, here's how Kentucky's schedule shakes out. By the way, Kentucky is third in that ranking. They play number one preseason, at least right now, number one Michigan State. This is Gary Parrish's opinion, but he's a pretty smart basketball dude, and I'm usually fairly close to on board with his thoughts. Uh, number four, Louisville, because everybody is crazy high on Louisville right now. Uh, so Michigan State and New York early. Uh, Louisville right before Christmas, or is it right after Christmas? I guess right after Christmas. In Rupp Arena, number four, Louisville, 14, Texas Tech, if that report is correct, at number 14, Texas Tech. And then I, I did not realize this, but Ohio State, 21, uh, out in Vegas, number 21, Ohio State. So all those in the non-conference. And then in the in-conference, which we don't have the full conference schedule yet, but they'll, they'll play at least Florida and Tennessee twice each. Number nine, Florida. Number 16, Auburn. Number 19, Tennessee, which I don't really see ranking Tennessee in the preseason. Um, but there they are. And number 25, LSU. Uh, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. At least ten games, depending on if they play Auburn or LSU more than once. At least ten games against preseason top twenty-five teams. And and they will play three of the four final four teams from last season: Auburn, Michigan State, and Texas Tech. Oh, that's that's true. Uh, other fun fact about another time they did that uh, during that crazy 2014 final four run they beat three teams in a row that were in the previous year's final four in the tournament i don't know that anybody's ever done that wichita state undefeated wichita state in this in the second round louisville which was the defending national champion in the sweet 16 and michigan which was the previous year's national runner-up in the elite eight all to get just to get to the final four Wow. Well, if they can recreate that, then I think they'd be having a good season. <laughs> yeah, they'd be pretty happy. All right, uh, let's take uh, our second break. And coming up next, we are going to talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the court and off the court. And then we're going to mention that baseball story. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're an Atlanta Braves fan, right? Correct. So you know, well, then I'll just let you do this. Can you explain what the freeze is, the character at the Atlanta Braves baseball game, and what his shtick is? Yeah, he's, a, I think, a former track athlete, uh, but it's you know one of these in-game promotions, and he wears this crazy spandex costume, sort of superhero costume, and they call him Freeze. And what he does is he gives fans, they pick a fan out. I don't know the process, how they pick them. They pick a fan out to race him uh, on the warning track in the outfield, you know, basically foul pole to foul pole, I think, or close to it. And uh, he gives them this huge head start. And, the you know, the, the shtick is that he always runs them down. You know, it's kind of crazy to see him just come flying up from behind. And, always, like, a lot of times these guys, you know, feeling good, feeling good. They're, like, three-quarters of the way through the race, and they're still out way out ahead of him. And then he just turns on the jets and dusts them and, Sometimes the participants go uh, uh, ass over tea kettle. Is that how you say it? Uh, 
you know, trip and fall and roll, roll in the dirt. And, um, it's usually pretty entertaining, but there was a, uh, there was a surprise entrant into this race, the, I guess a few nights ago. Uh, and it was former Kentucky wide receiver and in-state high school star, Ryan Timmons. And he just smoked the dude. he like, he, I don't know if the guy closed any gap really at all on him. He got the head start, uh, but the guy just could not catch him. He, Ryan Timmons finished well ahead of him. And, uh, Apparently, like some people, some friends of Timmons that were there, I guess, were tweeting that before, like they met up with the guy and he told, you know, before the race and they told him like, hey, I'm a former SEC athlete and I think state champion sprinter, I believe. Yeah. And he was like, why don't we just race straight up? And the freeze did not want to do that because I guess he didn't, uh, I guess it would be more shameful to lose a straight up race. I don't know. But, uh. That was that was a story going around. Either way, Ryan Timmons sort of got his uh, an, another fifteen minutes of fame out of that whole deal. Yeah, I'm going to retweet the uh, little video that one of those uh, people who are in attendance um, from the show account. I guess let's see, this is from the 19th, which would have been what uh, Friday night. Um, and yeah, careful like, there. There's a language warning. There's a whole lot of uh, extreme profanity in the video that I saw. Oh, there is. Well, I, did, yeah. I didn't listen. There's, I just watched a, the video. There's, no, there's a whole bunch of like, let bleeping go, mother bleeping, bleep bleepity bleep. <laughs> well, since you put the warning in there, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna feel free to to retweet it. But yeah, like it, like you said, it wasn't close. And and if you don't exactly know what you're, uh, we're talking about right now at this moment, you've seen this happen because if you, you do, it's all over Sports Center, all over those like clip shows and on social media where. It'll look like a guy has got a monster lead, and I think the most famous one is the guy like slows down and is celebrating, and then he looks over his shoulder and he sees the guys closing in, and he tries to speed back up, and he falls over, and like you said, um, something over tea kettle. Um, so yeah, check that out; it's fun. So let's get into Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, Kyle. I think we mentioned that Brett Dawson, your colleague at the Athletic and um, former beat writer. For UK basketball, when he was at the the Courier Journal, he currently covers the Thunder. He uh, he wrote an awesome piece about Shea Gilgis Alexander. But there was actually, I mean, it's tough to kind of rank these things. But I feel like this is more important of a story to a certain extent because Gilgis Alexander retweeted it himself, and according to GQ, SGA was one of the ten best dressed men of the week. Good for him. He wears some. He wears some weird stuff, but like that's that's the secret to getting noticed as a fashion icon, is to wear is to wear weird stuff that looks really expensive. And Shea is really good at that. He was at the Sports Illustrated Fashionable Fifty, and he is wearing an all black suit with a black dress shirt, and then some black Nikes with orange check marks, and then he's wearing, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a semi vest. It's it's like a, if a vest and a fanny pack had a baby, and it was neon <laughs> orange. <laughs> uh. That's what it is. And the and I just like the description uh, GQ um, in saying why this is fashionable. They said when you're 21 and a rising NBA talent, you can wear whatever you want with or on top of your suit. So there you go. There you go. All right, and uh, but as we mentioned, he had a nice uh, 
piece done by Brett Dawson about him. And and Kyle, like, what kind of? I, I obviously encourage people to go read that. But what kind of stood out to you um, when reading through that piece? Probably jogged some memories from when he was here at Kentucky. Yeah, and a good a good bit of that um, we'll read as familiar to Kentucky fans who followed him closely. But it's still very much worth uh, checking out. Uh, Brett talked to Calipari about him and you know he expounded some on a story he sort of told during the season but basically in the midst of that four game losing streak that season which they had never done under Calipari he was just totally fed up and I guess stood up on the team bus Cal did and uh and said like basically who is you know first in this and the hardest worker at that and the, the best at this and yada, 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 and it was all obviously at Shea Gilgis Alexander and essentially told the rest of the team, like, you guys aren't good enough and you need to be more like Shea. Like, it's like the parental thing, like, be more like your big brother. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of where that season started to turn. And then, you know, talking to Joel Justice, who worked him out at all those 6 a.m. workouts and uh, to some of his former teammates. And I, I got a couple of those guys for Brett while I was out in Vegas, you know, Jared Vanderbilt and some of those guys, the consensus was just that he was this very, very natural leader. And they all recognized before any of us knew, they all recognized in that summer before the season, like this guy is going to be way better than people understand. And, you know, he didn't say much. He didn't talk. He wasn't a big talker. It was just he was leading them by getting up every day and doing exactly what a pro would do, having a professional mindset. Um, going about his business, doing everything it took to get better. And, you know, we obviously know how that turned out for him, but over the course of the season, that also, I think, rubbed off on some some guys on that team who maybe weren't inclined to, to work that way. Yep, uh, it's a great piece and really insightful quotes from John Calipari in there. Um, I think that's about everything uh, we need to cover for tonight. Oh, wait, actually. I just saw something. I'm I'm being you, Kyle, and have and I got social media open while we're recording. Uh, yes. But this is very vital. Tyler Hero tweeted out earlier today. He said, "Food spots in Miami?" Question mark. I don't know why. This is a larger question, and I don't want you don't want you to answer because we could go on like a long time. Why do guys do this? Like just just Google, man. Like do you? I, I don't I don't. Is it maybe it's looking for a free dinner? I don't know. Anyway. So he I said, do it sometimes because I think crowdsourcing for for bar and restaurant recommendations in a town are awesome. Like that's how I figured out all the places to go in Des Moines, Iowa, when it was like, is this going to be a terrible town or what? Like, hey, does anybody know a place to go? And all these people who've been there a bunch immediately responded with good ideas, and I went and tried all those places. I like crowdsourcing. Here's another thing I've learned in talking to basketball players and people around basketball players. I'm not saying Tyler Hero is doing this. But many of them uh, like to post on social media about, hey, do you have a recommendation? Or this is where I am because then they know ladies will show up to meet them. Who up? But uh, anyway, uh, like I said, we could, we could <laughs> get, go deep diving into that later. But this was quote tweeted by the one and only Chad Johnson at Ocho Cinco. He said, I'll pick you up where you at. Tyler Hero responded, by the arena, pull up, eyeball emoji. I don't, this was this was a couple hours ago. I don't know, I really do hope those two guys went out to dinner, and then I hope they've, like, 
become best friends, and then soon they will have a reality show together. Because so I think that would be great fun. I'm for it. I, I support uh, pro athlete reality shows about their lives. So that's all we got for tonight. Please follow along with us on social media at Locked On UK on both Twitter and Instagram. You can check out those tweets we were talking about. I retweeted them from the show account. Um, follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. You can follow me at Curtis Birch B U R C H. Read Kyle's work on the Athletic and check out Brett Dawson's piece on Shea Gilgis Alexander, or as Bill Simmons says, Gilgis, or however he does it. Um, also, as I mentioned, we talked to Derek LeBlanc on Big Blue Insider um, about the defensive line. So if you're interested in that, go check that out as well. Uh, thanks again to Bird Sheet Metal for sponsoring this edition of the show. Thanks, for, thanks to you for listening. Please subscribe and share the podcast with somebody else who would enjoy. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Well, no, I don't think I can because I'm pretty sure you blocked me. Yeah.